Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only, Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. With the new Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch, so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affects your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. Are you ready to move your career forward? Make your comeback with Purdue Global and get college credit for your work, school, life, or military experiences. With these credits, you may have already completed up to 75% of your undergraduate degree. You've worked hard to get where you are. It's time to get the recognition you deserve and earn a degree you'll be proud of, one that employers will trust and respect. When you take the next step in your life and career, make it count with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. Every crucial moment that has come along in the whole Mueller investigation thing has been letting air out of the Trump impeachment balloon, right? So far, all the At big the very moments. Least not inflating it. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll see if there's yet another one of those tomorrow when Mueller testifies in front of two House committees. Rosalind Helderman is a Washington Post reporter focusing on political enterprise story and uh, stories and investigations and joins us now. Rosalind, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Excellent. I noticed there in your uh, your curriculum vitae, he says, trying okay. to to appear to be your equal, a BA, <laughs> in, a, a BA in history from Harvard, huh? Do you have a favorite era? Uh, <laughs> Uh, I love history of all kinds. Oh, I like yeah. the modern era, um, uh, but yeah, that's a, that's a, a long ago resume point. Uh, well, that's all right. We just we're both history freaks, and so we like talking yeah. about it with anybody who wants to. But you clearly don't. So <laughs> listen, 
let's talk about the Mueller testimony tomorrow. Uh, and I've, I've read some of your reporting in the uh, the good stuff that Devlin Barrett and Matt Zapatowski have written in the post. Yeah. Um, the more I learn, the less I expect. Is that uh, wrong? I don't think so, necessarily. I mean, you know, we only heard from Bob Mueller once across this entire investigation. He gave that public statement in May uh, announcing that he was closing the investigation. That was less than 10 minutes long. And he said several times in the course of that statement that he did not especially wish to testify before Congress, that he considered his report to be his testimony uh, and that he found uh, additional testimony to be unnecessary. So you're dealing kind of with a with a hostile witness. His goal is to not share anything beyond his report and to not make any uh, any news. Now, that having been said, he really didn't make any news at that press conference in May either. He didn't say anything that wasn't in the report then either. And yet, for a lot of people, that was still surprising. Just to hear him say the things that were in the report made a lot of news, opened some people's eyes. So Democrats are sort of hopeful that if they can just get him to talk about what's actually in the report, uh, maybe it will uh, sort of refocus Americans attention on some of the damaging details that are actually contained in that document kind of reminds you the battle of Hastings doesn't it as a history major no <laughs> trying to drag you back into that. maybe a little. Um, <laughs> so yeah I, I think I get it that I saw one report where they're gonna cut up portions of Democrats and this is a good idea are gonna cut up portions of Mueller's testimony which is just basically the Mueller report, but nobody's read it, uh, and and get that out on social media and, and hope there's a this is a second chance to get out the information that he gathered, thinking it will be damaging to the president. Is that the goal? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, we've heard a little bit that the uh, Democrats on the House Intelligence Committee, who are likely to be focused a little bit more on what the Russians did during the investigation and the moments where the Trump campaign seemed to sort of welcome the Russian assistance, uh, even if uh, there was not a criminal conspiracy, um, which we know from the report. Uh, so th- there's some sense that they may try to push Mueller to provide some new facts to go a little bit beyond the four corners of the report. The judiciary committee Democrats who are apparently going to focus on the second volume of the report dealing with possible obstruction of justice uh, have signaled that they intend to stick much more closely to what's actually in the document and basically try to get Bob Mueller to narrate some of these rather Mm. dramatic moments where the president really did appear to try to interfere in the investigation and kind of just lay out those facts so so that uh, Americans better understand uh, some of the president's behavior in office. I, I, I fully get that now which, which one's first the uh which committee's first i believe judiciary is okay first. so and that's the one where they're going to try to get him to narrate the report as you just said yeah we, so, which is a little do, backwards but frankly. We, it feels like it should start with russia and then go to obstruction but i think i think it's going to go in the other order but is there any reason he's going to go along with that i mean he doesn't have to be the dancing monkey that reads the report or will he just say it's on page 48 you could you read, I, mean, I don't feel like it <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, we'll know in 24 hours. Yeah, uh, I guess. You know, we, we we do have some sense of him that, you know, he, he does not like partisan nonsense. He doesn't want to be there. He's uh, he's already been given some restrictions by the Department of Justice on what they think he should be talking about. On the other hand, you know, I don't think that the special counsel's office and the prosecutors in that office wrote a 450-page report uh, just for their own sense of fun. Like, I do think that they want Americans point. to read it and they want Americans to understand 
understand what's in it. That's a good uh, point. So, you know, so we, we may find that he is a little less hostile than you would think from that May press conference that if the Democrats don't push him too hard, if they don't sort of try to get him to go somewhere that's not in the report in terms of like declaring that the president committed a crime, he may be willing to do a certain amount of just describing what's in the report. Right. Although I think, it, and I just learned this this morning, he, uh, Mueller, asked, and we're talking to Rosalind Helderman of the Washington Post um, about the Mueller hearings tomorrow, but uh, Mueller uh, asked to be subpoenaed, and I just realized, uh, I found out why. It's so he's now uh, got to follow, in effect, the rules of a Justice Department employee, which include, for instance, not um, not impugning unindicted, uncharged the third parties, not in fact, not even discussing them, uh, established policy. I'm quoting from the post now uh, also precludes any comment on the facts developed and legal conclusions by the special counsel's office with respect to un- uncharged individuals. I mean, it really sounds like the rules have, are pretty he's pretty well clamped down by them. Well, so he's got this letter now in hand. So if he encounters questions he doesn't want to answer, he has sort of the ability to fall back and say, the Department of Justice has indicated I shouldn't be answering these. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's going to be him there live, and it will be up to him what to answer. There's very little sort of recourse the Department of Justice would have against him uh, if he didn't follow those guidelines. Mm. And and what's more, uh, you know, you might remember the Attorney General came out uh, maybe a week or two ago and actually said, said that he thought that the uh, special counsel shouldn't have to testify at all and sort of signaled that if Bob Mueller wanted to say, wanted to refuse, the Department of Justice would fight on his behalf. He kind of signaled that, you know, they would have his back if he wanted right. to tell Congress, I'm not going to show up, there's no need for this. And there's this whole series, you'll recall, of other administration officials who are in that posture who have refused to show up and the Department of Justice is going to fight in court on their behalf to not appear. And it appears as though uh, Special Counsel Mueller has not taken the Department of Justice up on that sort of vague offer to fight for him. He is going to show up. And so, you know, a lot of this is in the mind of Bob Mueller, and none of us, none of, that's a place none of us yep. live. Just and like so, the Enlightenment, you know. wouldn't you say? Oh, boy. <laughs> I had a better one than that, but you stole my thunder. <laughs> Rosalind Helderman, Washington Post a reporter. Well, I guess we'll find out together. Rosalind, enjoyed the chat, as always, very much. Thanks for the time. Thank you so much for having me. We'll, we'll make tomorrow's uh, history tomorrow. All right. <laughs> I'll jump that down. That's very clever. Uh, yeah, I got a couple of chuckles out of the uh, the history nerd from Harvard. So <laughs> That's what was my goal. So I was, was going to ask you. This, this interview was your Waterloo, Rosalind. <laughs> That's better than what I said. Significantly better. Um, oh, and you know what I wanted to go with? Uh, what was the disastrous campaign that uh, Churchill led? World War One, yeah. Except I wasn't a hundred percent sure how to pronounce it. I um, thought it was Gallipoli. So the, that's fun to say. Let's say it together. Gallipoli. <laughs> we didn't get to the other side of the aisle, which you know I should ask her. But uh, Republicans, the, the claim is Republicans. This is their opportunity to drill down on how. When did you know the Steele dossier was bogus, and yes. why did you keep going and all this sort of right. stuff? Does he need to answer those questions, or does he? <laughs> The the short answer is no, and we made reference to, and I'm sorry, we probably should have explained it better, but this letter from the Justice Department instructing old Bob Mueller uh, on what he can and cannot say and should and should not say, it really limits him. It, it It's from the Deputy Attorney General, 
Mueller requested earlier this month guidance on how to handle questions, quote, concerning privilege or other legal bars applicable to potential testimony in connection with uh, the subpoenas and, and the report. And the letter notes Mueller had resisted testifying. The department agrees that you shouldn't be testifying anyway. It's unnecessary. And that will remind you, don't say anything about unindicted individuals or, or uncharged individuals. Um, you've got to follow all the court orders and, and blah, blah, blah. And just, in other words, shut your mouth. And and I expect him to give little. Now, I'm trying to think through, based what, what, on my what, legal education, which included almost applying to law school, whether if they asked him, when did you know the Steele dossier was fake? If he, he'd probably just say, I'm not prepared to discuss that. You might hear that phrase over and over again. Justice Department rules preclude me from discussing that. You better get prepared, buddy. That's that's what my uh, yes. report would be. Touche. All right. Well, okay. So, somewhere... asked, w- asked whether Mueller intended to speak beyond his report, one of the media people involved in, in his, his getting ready to uh, testify, uh, referred to a May news conference in which Mueller said he would not and added, as he made pretty clear then, you can expect him to stick pretty close to the four walls of the report. This could be almost uh, laughably uncomfortable tomorrow, then. Yes. That's what I'm hoping for. <laughs> that would be perfect. When, like, the fifth person in a row asks him a question, and he says again with a sigh, as I've said previously, I'm, uh, I would refer you to the report. If the president was any other person, would you have indicted him? I'm not prepared to testify as to the hypothetical blah, blah, blah. He probably, in fact, he will probably have a stock phrase that doesn't even go that far. It'll be. So will they close down early? That's beyond the scope of the report. Go to lunch or bring in a, bring in a comedian to do, a, <laughs> do an act for a kill a little time or stretch, stretch. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It could be laughably weird tomorrow if he just refuses to answer any questions. Yeah, yeah, that'd be perfect. Or he could say, "Act all right, finally. I've been ach- I've been aching to tell you this. Listen to this. I think the guy, you know, that right. sort of thing. I doubt it. I doubt it too. Um, uh, what was the thing I wanted to go? Uh, oh man, uh, what's a smart diaper? Oh, New technology for smart you. Smart diapers. News on Narcan vaping, mental health days in in schools. Smart diapers sounds so, like an essay story to me. Wow. The silent Chinese propaganda in Hollywood films. It's more than just Top Gun, Joe. Get the gong ready, Michael. Among other things on the way. Stay tuned. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Executive producer Hanson, I saw we've got a new delay. How many seconds now do we have? Is it the delay? Is that new delay? You can hold up fingers. You guys swear? Sorry, I had a, no, I was eating some. Twenty seconds. So we have a twenty-second delay now. Oh yes. man, I could really unleash a load of filth. You that we could really hit. string several together. You could hit the dump button, and I could still. I could do a lot of damage in twenty seconds. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm going to get to everybody's mother by then. Oh boy. <laughs> wow. Um, so Boris Johnson is now the Prime Minister of Great Britain. Um, uh, something that a lot of people saw was unimaginable. Uh, he is he's in in kind of a Trump like way uh, taking over politics there in Great Britain, and he's the face of Brexit. And Marshall's got more of that in his news coming up. 
Oh, yeah, oh. that's right. The Benny Hill theme starts. He goes running every, in fast motion. Every time you mention Bo- Bojo, the new prime minister of Great Britain. He, he just turned went back where he came from because there's a hot nurse who walked by. It, uh, it almost seems like we've got this rule in the modern world. Everything's got to be entertaining. Mm. Can't have just boring, regular stuff. Everything's got to be entertaining. Their personal lives or their uh, the way they act. We require a certain level of entertainment. Debates can't be boring conversation about policy anymore. We need entertainment. Right. you got to wow us. Mm-hmm. you got a zinger. It's all about zingers. Talk to Lon Hee Chen about uh, that. He's prepared major candidates for major debates. And it's not about policy. It's about getting zingers ready, which is really kind of disturbing. Just tells me more political campaigns need to hire me. I'll zing them all day. You know, you'd be a good zinger crafter. Yeah. yeah. Um. So, uh, speaking of entertainment, uh, John Provost, who starred as Timmy on Lassie, and says it's an urban legend. Timmy was never stuck in a well. <laughs> and uh, turns out he he escaped child stardom disease. He's uh, acted and worked for years and years, and has a sense of humor about it. And seems like a lovable old fella. He's, I think he's sixty nine years old. Uh, Lassie, uh, it's a TV show about a, uh, what kind of dog is that again? It was a collie. A collie. They were incredibly popular when yep. I was a kid. Yep, because of that show. Yeah, uh, it's on in 50 countries right now. Lassie ran from 57 through 64. Um, and I thought it'd be really entertaining to end this segment with a list of things that actually did befall Timmy. Because he would have like a misadventure every episode and Lassie would run off and get help. Right. But I couldn't find a list. I mean, you know, tra- trapped by bank robbers, there's a rock slide, it's, you know, who knows, a mountain lion, space aliens. A lot of wells on the property he would fall in, No I guess, wells. Know. That's so, what that we led with. Timmy he never, never fell, fell, fell down, down a well. Huh. Not even once. Not even in the movie version? I, I, he says Finan- he didn't. Financial crisis that ever happened? Or, uh, AIDS epidemic? That got him? No? That uh, heartbreak? Yeah. Yeah. That's right. What? I'd like to disassociate myself from <laughs> one of those jokes. So it was very funny. Um, okay, so you got that. Very, very amusing. Uh, have you heard about the new smart diapers? They have sensors in them that will send you a message on your phone when your baby needs changing. Oh, there's a message that gets sent. A couple of messages, actually. <laughs> well, one of them oral, one of them uh through the nose. Right. Old factory. It's crap. It's crap. There's some young parents there discussing uh, their baby's <laughs> diaper. <laughs> um, uh, this is uh, smart diapers for dumb parents, according to Noelle, who sent this along. And I know exactly what she's talking about. I see it all the time. Uh, it's often gals, with gals or guys, walking their child in the stroller. They're not talking to the child. They're not singing to the child. They're not pointing out everything they're passing. No, they're staring at their phone or talking on their phone. So as long as you're staring at your phone instead of your child um, and not paying attention to them, a message will pop up that they need a new diaper. That's beautiful. It's fabulous. Filling a need, I guess. Ah, Speaking of medicine. Smartphones this- weren't what smartphones are now when my kids were really little. Um, so I didn't spend as much time with one, but we'll, we'll have a generation coming soon that grew up in the era of my kids were staring at their phone while I was, uh, you know, in the cradle. My kids were, or the kids will grow up. We'll have the first generation. My parents were staring at their phone. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, uh, I don't know if that, it won't do them any good. We'll see. Ah, uh, let's see. How about this from Aileen Anonymous? I recently had a, uh, a same day surgery, uh, like a uh, outpatient surgery. When I went to pick up the 
two prescriptions, Tylenol with codeine, which never opened as I just took extra strength Tylenol for two days and it was fine. I will simultaneously prescribe Narcan in case of an overdose. That's the miracle save your life thing. Uh-huh. I refused the Narcan from the pharmacies. I knew I was probably not going to use the pain medication prescribed anyway, and I certainly wasn't going to overdose. I thought it was odd. So now, is this routine? Can't They be. prescribe you opioids and Narcan in case you OD. Wow. <clears throat> That's crazy. Maybe they have to for legal reasons. Plus, they're selling you a drug that somebody's paying for. So there's money being made. What's going right. up in your news, Marshall Phillips? Well, new British Prime Minister Bojo's dad and his son's relationship with Donald Trump. Hello! And Democrats and Republicans applauding the new budget deal. Others, oh, yeah. not so sure. Oh, yeah. Everybody's liking the new spending ways of government. Wow. Stay tuned if you haven't heard this. Armstrong and Getty. What's his full name? I had this in front of me earlier today. Boris Johnson, who's the new Prime Minister of Great Britain. Boris DeFeffel Johnson. Alexander Boris DeFeffel Johnson. Now, that is the kind of name he was trying to run away from. Chose to go by Boris as a, DeFeffel. As a rich kid going to the finest schools. And then so he uh, started going by Bojo and uh, went with the kind of messed up hair, bumbling, I'm just a regular guy thing. All right. And similar to Trump, as somebody who's grown up very privileged, has managed to be kind of like the voice of the working class and the regular guy you want to hang out with, mm. which is not an easy thing to pull off when you when you grow up in privilege. Right. But they've both done it. Let's get the news now with Marshall Phillips. Well, the former mayor of London, Boris Johnson, elected to be the next British prime minister, looking first and foremost to finalize Brexit, telling supporters today, We are going to unite this amazing country, and we are going to take it forward. I thank you all very much. For the incredible honor that you have just done me, I will work flat-eyed from now on. Right now, of course, if the Brits leave the European Union, their relationship with the U.S. is going to be more important than ever. And that's one reason why this reporter asked Johnson's dad... What do you know about how he's going to approach that? Do you think the two men will get on? Prima facie, they ought to get on. They've got the same kind of hairstyle, I suppose. Um, So do you? I think they will (laughs) get on. I think, you know, we're going to have to be careful not to be too slavishly geared to America. Talking about Johnson Who and that? Donald Trump. That's his dad. That's so his apparently dad. Where, Bojo, where Bojo gets his uh, <laughs> his snarkiness is from his dad, because his dad's asked a serious question and yeah. he immediately goes with the hair joke. Right. <laughs> right. Here, I'll do, this, I'll do this again for you. What do you know about how he's going to approach that? Do you think the two men will get on? Prima facie, they ought to get on. They've got the same kind of hairstyle, I suppose. So, um, yeah. So do you? I think they will get on. I think, you know, we're going to have to be careful not to be too slavishly no. geared to America. If you'll excuse me, I must press my ascot and polish my cane. <laughs> Why are you asking his dad anyway? Is that the old man? Yeah, or is yes. that same hair? Yeah. Oh, my. Yeah. What? Wow. Completely blonde or dyed. It looks like the one. FaceTime aging app of Boris. It does, <laughs> actually. They look like some K-pop boy band. What's <laughs> with that hairstyle? And you're saying he's 55 years old? Boy, he... Uh... That's not Boris. That's Boris's dad. That's his old man. Oh, that's his dad. Yeah. Oh, okay. God, I was going to say, man, that's weird. Anyway, Boris is going to formally take office tomorrow. And why is he wearing like a college basketball sportscaster's jacket? <laughs> <laughs> What's the matter with those people? House lawmakers are returning to Washington to assess a budget and debt deal between House Speaker Nancy Pelosi and President Donald Trump. 
So far, there's no evidence of any last gasp drama that could upset the hard-won compromise. <laughs> the two-year deal announced Monday to enable the government's debt-fueled spending increases to continue through late 2021. I'll continue to bribe my constituency, and you can continue to bribe your constituency without the slightest concern for fiscal responsibility. Agreed? Agreed. Washington's pragmatic class is supporting the deal, while some other lawmakers are are taking a hard look at it and saying, we're going to increase spending again? Yeah, so they've just... The pragmatic class, that's rich. Th- that's hardly anybody. We mentioned that Rush Limbaugh said to a caller last week, who was complaining about this, that, look, fiscal conservatism has never really existed. That's always been kind of a joke. So I think... It, the, In D.C., sure. So, among the Republican Party. So I, I think it's now just over. You had one party that spent and wanted to spend and didn't worry about it. Then one party that spent but pretended to care about it. And now the pretending to care pretending to care about it part has been taken away. Right. So now you've got two parties that are out loud going to say, no, we'll just spend way more than we take in, but on our stuff. Right. And I think this might just stop being a conversation. It reminds me of when Nicolas Cage in Leaving Las Vegas announced that he was yeah. just going to drink yeah. himself to death. Yeah, exa- that's, yeah exactly. Uh, it. You just have to accept that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and that is where we are now. And so it might just not be a conversation anymore. There might not be any more of these budget cliffs because there's just nobody's going to pretend to care. Right. There's no constituency for it. And we're getting precisely the government we deserve it's frightening unfortunately the kids and grandkids are getting the government that we deserve not that they deserve but uh well maybe they'll learn a lesson new survey is showing there is growing mistrust among americans of institutions and of each other with the highest distrust about government and political leaders the pew research center poll found almost 70% of Americans said the federal government intentionally withholds important information from the public. Wow, of if does. you don't agree with that, what world do you live in? or How, how, how dimly do you uh, pay attention? Wow! That's We're, troubling to me that it's only 70%. <laughs> nearly two-thirds said it's hard to tell the difference between what's true and what's not when they listen to their elected officials. Only two thirds. Again, would they, th- that thirty-three percent. Your people are saps. It's the wrong. What's the matter with you? Six, or you're so incredibly perceptive, you can tell when they're lying or telling the truth. Maybe that's a you know some share. Sixty-one percent said the news media intentionally is ignoring important stories. Of course, they are. And almost half said it's hard to tell what's true and what's not about information they see on social media. Only half? That's what I... God, I do this for a living yeah. and I struggle every day to figure out what's true. I, wow. The study also found declining trust among Americans with one another. 64% saying they believe trust in each other has fallen. 54%... Of it has. 54, 58% <laughs> rather saying it's very important to try to reverse that trend. We don't have meaningful long-term relationships. We have shallow online relationships mm-hmm. and you, you can't establish trust that way. And according to uh, Pew's head of uh, Internet and Technology Research, Americans are worried that distrust in the government and in others is indeed taking a toll on the nation. They believe the distrust gets in the way of solving pressing problems. And what was the percentage on that one? It just said a majority. Yeah. They didn't get into the exact percentage. So so I I like looking at the reverse of all these. So half the country reads news and social media and just takes it as fact, apparently. Yeah. That's incredible. 
One last note, Sony Pictures is putting out its first trailer, I know you love trailers, of the upcoming Mr. Rogers film starring Tom Hanks. Fans getting the first uh, sneak peek of a beautiful day in the neighborhood. It's a beautiful day in this neighborhood, a beautiful day for a neighbor. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? That's Hanks. Is this a heartwarming biopic, or is this a... This is a darker look. A darker take. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I saw one that Body this covers... sacked behind the home. This covers his... His dangerous tea addiction. <laughs> his meth years? I, I don't think that's accurate, though. I gotta, I, it may have been a bad website. But so is it just at. what it looks like? Just kind of a charming, nice, uh, friendly... The narrative device seems to be a reporter is doing a, a feature on Mr. Rogers, and so it's kind of told through his perspective and, right. and observing him, and is, is, the, is the Mr. Rogers guy, is that really him and uh, but it seems very feel goody and it will most likely make everyone cry who sees it if you realize that uh fred rogers had a 357 magnum tucked into that uh, cardigan sweater of his just just in case in case mr mcfeely got uh got out of hand exactly yeah (laughs) movie due out in late november and that's your news i'm marshall phillips the armstrong and getty show the conscience of the nation well, even when I was a little kid, I mean, it was a charming show, but the puppet show lost me. That that, that weird <laughs> King Kid Friday, right. and I just, yeah. I just I'd like to show an episode to my kids. It's so slow paced compared oh, yeah. to what they're used to. There's no way they'd last two minutes with that thing. Yeah, their brains are just at the speed mine is at. Where you, everything I, needs to be much faster. I would take that bet. You think they might like it? Yeah, I, I should try it. I I, it's, it's been my experience that Mr. Rogers is pretty much universal for uh, Just, children under yeah, a certain age. Got something sort of magic, ah, which he did. And I wonder, yeah, I wonder what effect that would have on a child who's hyper, hyper because of modern TV and movies and the rest mm-hmm. of it. I wonder. Um, I mean, SpongeBob SquarePants, the pace of that show is just, you know, frantic. Yes. Compared to a Mr. Rogers. Right. right. Yeah. Um, speaking of entertainment, so the way China is influencing our movies, Sean came up with this article that's, uh, that's really interesting and explains exactly why and then how China is influencing movies that, that they see and we see. Yeah, and, and I, it should bother you. I don't care that much about movies, no. honestly, but it is one aspect of many in which China is intentionally infiltrating the United States, infecting us, and trying to change our behavior. Right, and and influencing people's views of China. Right. Which, they're an evil country. Yes. Nobody says that China. out loud. You never hear anybody say that out loud. Nope, too much money being made. Anyway, that's coming up next. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Uh, hot dog is my favorite meat. Is that it? That was brief. That's the whole So thing? this is National Hot Dog Day. And as you know, uh, hot dog is my favorite meat. And I have a good one here, sliced in half with some pickles, onions, and ketchup, which is the way I prefer it. So uh, enjoy a hot dog. <laughs> I don't, How did he lose? It's, it's, it's not his fault. <laughs> Willard Mitt Romney. And I believe he is a genuinely genuinely decent, smart guy, but he just sounds jivey 
like the, I sound sarcastic no matter what I say. Yes, oh, I you love do. you. Um, I sound sarcastic <laughs> no matter what I say. He sounds jivey no matter what he says. Remember how he uh, blew hot dog out. is my favorite meat. Remember how he blew out his birthday candles? Yeah. Remember that? That was weird. He pulled the candles out of the cake and blew them All right, the so there'd be no uh, spittle flying toward the cake. <laughs> he is a snacker. <laughs> hot dog is my favorite meat, so that's how I enjoy them. Uh, hot dog is my favorite meat. That's a bold stance. I'm having it with uh, relish and onion and ketchup, which is the way I prefer it. We figured that's why you were having it with that, because that's how you... Pre- we assumed that. <laughs> Hilarious. So, uh, apparently, China's efforts at making us think they're a good country are working, as 53% of Americans have a positive attitude about China. Um, that is something. What percentage? 53%. Stop it! You have no idea what you're talking about. Wow, that's troubling. China quite possibly the most evil country on Earth, if not as evil as some of your like smaller Middle Eastern countries. It's just because of the influence they have, and they're so big. Well, lower that's- intensity of evil than a few, but in terms of the number of people they perpetrate evil upon, that makes them the champion. And their actual uh, actual ability to take over the world right? <laughs> someday. Right. Yeah, that's what makes them the champion. Wow. Anyway, this article, the, 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 the title is The Silent Chinese Propaganda in Hollywood Films. I didn't know this. But so, the, the Chinese government only allows 34 American films into China each year. This was really smart. We'll allow 34 films in the country every year. It's the world's biggest movie market. Didn't we decide at one point there should only be six websites? <laughs> something like it. Yeah. <laughs> six or seven, something like that. <clears throat> um, Simplify the internet. So if the uh, the censors there in China don't like your movie, it's not going to get in. It gives them tremendous power over what money-chasing Hollywood executives are uh, going to make as a movie, because you want your movie to be one of the 34 that get in there. 1.4 billion people. So they can have all kinds of rules. But you can get around these rules and get your movie into China if it's co-produced with a Chinese firm. Ah. If you co-produce it with a Chinese firm, they're going to put rules on the movie Right. if you want to get it in. So there can be more than 34 um, but you just got to get this Chinese uh, company involved, and they're going to say, "Don't like this, don't like this." You got to do that. And the big ones, Tencent. That's one, one of, of the, the bigger biggest, ones, yeah. if not the biggest. Uh. Some of the co-produced films that China made are big-ticket movies like Mission Impossible. This is just from last year. Mission Impossible, Venom, The Meg, uh, Wonder Woman, Kung Fu Panda Three, and Looper. All movies that were made with a Chinese firm, which means there was some. Uh, censorship, if you want to call it that, or nudging one direction or another at the sure. best of the Chinese companies, which whenever you say a Chinese company, you might as well be saying the Chinese government because it's all the same thing in a, in a communist country. You can't be a Chinese company unless you're working on the right side of the Chinese government. Um, you'll never see a movie like Seven Years in Tibet anymore, said this prof- professor to the New York Times. Because you wouldn't want to run afoul of the Chinese. So even a movie that you make that you have no intention of being big in China, you're not going to get any of your other movies in. So it influences. You're labeled as a bad guy. It even influences movies that aren't destined for China. In that, if you're going to make a bunch of movies this year and you make one that says anything bad about China, which would be any movie with a realistic depiction of China at all, uh, you're not going to get any of your movies. So So one of Xi Jinping's goons comes to you and says, you know, uh, Disney films, uh, 
we don't like your attitude. Don't even bother applying. For example, in the book World War Z, which was turned into a movie, the global zombie plague Great book. The Zobi, you've read it? Yeah. The global zombie plague begins in China, and the utterly incompetent Politburo there in China is nuked by a rogue officer. Um they changed that uh, for the movie. In the 2012, 2012 film Red Dawn, the invading Chinese army was changed at enormous cost to a North Korean army. Red Dawn, a movie originally made in the 80s in which it featured the Soviet Union, the Russians invading us, which would have been a more realistic idea, just as now a more realistic idea might be the Chinese. Right. But they had the power. North to get, Korea. They had the power to get that changed to something else. Wow. Wow. Uh, sometimes the edits are uh, minor ones. The movie Pixels had a scene in which the Great Wall of China was to join with other global monuments and being blown up. But in the uh, in the final film, it was swapped to the Taj Mahal, sometimes making two versions of the movie. So that establishes the point that they're they're influencing our movies at all different kinds of levels. Boy, um, how weird and unflex, inflexible and commie is that? No, don't blow up the wall. No, you, you understand there's all sorts of things being blown up all over the world. It has nothing to do with China. or a, No, you're not blowing up our wall. China's pouring a lot of money into the effort to improve its image abroad, squeezing Hollywood studios with threats of being locked out of the Chinese market into depicting China positively is just another way to acquire soft power without having to make convincing propaganda movies themselves. Given that 53% of Americans have a favorable view of China, the highest level in decades, it's going up as opposed to down. Wow. This campaign seems to be making some progress. That is really troubling to me. The more I, I, I've been on this China kick now for like a couple of months, and the more I learn about China, the scary it is. It's, it's all the bad stuff of the Soviet Union, only they've perfected it mm-hmm. in a variety of ways to either make it worse or less obvious to idiots. Right, right. They're so much more effective, partly because they've successfully harnessed technology as a tool of oppression in a way that, oh, my God, old, you know, your your fat-faced uh, Soviet commie premiers wish they could have. Please. So some of the other ways... That Planting the, bugs in somebody's office. Please. That's 20th century crap. These Chinese production companies, the some of the more common uh, restrictions that they'll put on movies is that, all right, if, if we're part of this, you got to have... Uh, a certain number of Chinese actors in it. We we must film a certain number of scenes in China. That's uh, I didn't realize that's why so many scenes were all of a sudden. Why did they go to Shanghai for no reason in this movie? Right. Because <laughs> well, they needed to film a scene there. Talked wow. about a book where uh, in the book uh, they, they, they meet in Paris or something like that, and they changed it to Shanghai yeah. to satisfy the production wow. requirements. And most specifically in the case of like the Red Dawn one is an example of that. The China cannot be depicted as a villain. If we if we right. are financing this, we, we must not be the bad guys. Well, right. That, that stuff about going to Shanghai instead of Paris, who cares? But that stuff, using our popular culture for their PR as an oppressive crusher of human rights, executor of the innocent. It's just, well, how it's about awful. the idea that China can never be depicted as a villain in a U.S. movie yeah. when they are the biggest villain on the planet? Right. That should bother you. And we're letting them do it. And we're going to play that money. game because there's money involved. Yeah. Brad Pitt is not allowed into China because he was in the movie seven years in Tibet which is about the battle between, you know, Tibet and China and all that sort of stuff. But wasn't um, he in World War Z? Yeah. Uh, six degrees of Brad Pitt. But he personally is not allowed in, which they hope will influence other actors to not be in movies that say anything bad about China because it bans you from getting to go to China, where you could make a lot of money. They, they figured out 
something the Soviet Union didn't figure out about the power of money and greed. Right. That we're willing to overlook all kinds of bad stuff if there's a dollar in it. They canceled a Maroon 5 concert that he was scheduled to do Good. in China. Good. Finally, he, some positive news Because he's going to take off his shirt. No, because <laughs> he sent the Dalai Lama a birthday wish on Twitter. Wow. He said, happy birthday, Dalai Lama, on Twitter, and they canceled his concert. Well, and that would influence other acts who want to play in the biggest market yeah. in the world. And they're only going to be getting bigger as, as, a, as a dominant market. For a while. Yeah, for a while. But then they will die off. China with terrible demographic problems. But you know what's great is uh, the world keeps inventing new uh, evil regimes. And new ways to run evil regimes. They always do the same things, though. Uh, yeah, in a lot of ways, but the style is different. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. And that makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview, Great Falls, offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Your getaway with Apple Vacations begins the moment you step on board one of our exclusive non-stop vacation flights. Escape the ordinary with packages starting at just $599. No layovers, just pure relaxation from takeoff to touchdown. Immerse yourself in the joy of travel with Apple Vacations. Your journey is as enchanting as the destination, so pack your bags and leave the rest to us. Visit AppleVacations.com or call your local travel advisor to book your vacation.